In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Hello and welcome to The Quality of Life, the new wellness podcast series for Saudi, the GCC, and the world in partnership with TRX. This is a new podcast series all about helping people and communities create a better life through wellness and sport. Hosted by me, Raham Harrig, the youngest Arab and the first Saudi woman to climb Everest and the Seven Summits, because I genuinely believe you should be the change you want to see in the world. Every week, I'll be speaking to the biggest names in the GCC and across the world. Talking nutrition, exercise, and life lessons, as well as how to avoid burnout and the philosophy that are trending right now. Shining a light on sports in KSA and highlighting Saudi's amazing culture. Because the plan in Saudi is to have 40% of people participating in sports every single week by 2030. You can listen both Arabic and English every Friday morning after Jummah prayer. And today, we're meeting Sarah and Briar. Sarah is a doctor of physical medicine and rehabilitation with a sports medicine diploma from the IOC, and she's a yoga teacher as well as a practitioner. Briar is a spiritual life coach on a mission to show women a new paradigm for living and creating for their feminine essence. I can't wait to hear more about their journeys, challenges, and visions for future wellness, nutrition, and fitness. I'm so excited to have you today. You both have incredible journeys and I can't wait to delve in. But first, before we start with your journeys, I want to know what's the meaning of quality of life to each of you? I would say for me, it's dependent on four areas, um, the four desires of the heart, which in what I've learned through the work that I've done in, in Indian philosophy is we have all the four desires of the heart and, and for them to be fulfilled, when, we're, when they're fulfilled, we have a very fulfilling life. And that's the desire for dharma, purpose, to become who we're meant to become. The desire for um, artha, which is like this kind of the material means to like live your purpose, like a house, you know, money, all of that stuff, abundance. And then the desire for kama, which is like kama sutra, intimacy, connection, sensuality, love. Um, which I think is a big desire for us all. I know I can only speak for myself. And then the desire for freedom, Moshka, which is this, you know, like when you wake up in the morning and you don't have to set an alarm and it's like the weekend or you're on holiday and there's this like freedom. There's nothing you need to do. There's nowhere you need to be. Um, and I really believe for me, the quality of life are, are really connected to those four things as being in alignment with purpose and why we're here, our mission, how we can serve the world. And then relationships, of course, like they are everything, like the love and the connection and the intimacy we can have with each other. And then, yeah, the abundance that we can create through being in alignment with our purpose and the impact that we can have in the world um, through, yeah, through us being in our, in our joy, in our love, in our hearts. Very unique answer. Yeah, very unique answer. I have to say I haven't heard that, but I relate in, in different ways. Very, very unique. Sarah, 
really, really interesting way of thinking and concept because I very much grew up in a different type of sense of quality of life being from a medical background. Um, so I practice physical medicine rehabilitation and part of my practice is how to improve a patient's quality of life post-injury. And when we look at quality of life, we think of three things, which is bio, psycho, social. So bio is the physicality, the physical body, the, the how's the function of the lungs, the heart, everything, the mind. But then psycho is like the psychology, the mental health, the well-being of the person with themselves. And then obviously social is the environment around you, the people you surround yourself with, your social life, your influences, your basic practice and habits. So when I think of quality of life, it's definitely these three coming together and not necessarily equally, but depending on a person and their needs in life, how they can be fed um, to the point where they are satisfied, just like you mentioned, Briar. So I think it's also definitely a lot to do with the heart, the mind, the soul and the needs. But I guess I'm more textbook in that Good, sense. Good, we need both. <laughs> the heart and the mind. I love the contrast. I love the contrast because you need both. Yeah, absolutely. I always say that you can't have one without the other. You need to have a balance between both. Definitely. You both mentioned um, you both mentioned your environment and the people around you, which is very important. I'm curious to know who is someone that has inspired you or someone that has helped you reach to the person you are today. It's really hard to choose one person, but um, I think the the biggest the biggest mirror in my life right now has been my partner, Jord. And we actually have just broken up, but he left like two, two days ago to, no, sorry, a week ago to go to Europe. And when he left, we had this like understanding that, um, he would come back in to Bali and in August and we were going to move to Cape Town together. It's interesting because like two days ago we broke up and I'm just going through the waves of grief and emotion of like having this, like this idea of my life completely different now. And I, I feel like he has been such a pivotal person in my life because he, I've been with him the last five years and yeah, he's, he's been such an important part of my life because he's taught me so much about myself. And I think now, like obviously going through this breakup, it's very raw, very still, like I, I'm still digesting it. Um, but I feel for me, my intimate relationship with my partner, especially him the last five years has been my biggest teacher, my biggest mirror to all of my greatness, to all of my darkness. And yeah, it's just like, it's, it's such a, a deep personal transformation of, of, of um, connection and intimacy is having someone there to mirror all of the ways that I love myself, all the ways that I don't and all of my bullshit. So it's beautiful to see that in a, in a partner and also to like take responsibility of, of certain patterns of behavior and thoughts and, you know, certain programmings that I've developed as, uh, as, um, an ad, like as a child now as an adult to, to really kind of like go on this healing journey, which is unfolding always, but also finally coming to this kind of, yeah, feeling that I'm, I'm arrived in a sense of like, I, everyone's like, are you okay? Are you okay. And I actually feel a deep sense of peace because I feel like in my heart, I know it's the right decision. And I feel like love, um, lets go and fear holds on. And I feel like we're getting to this place in our relationship where we, we love one another that much that we much prefer each other to be happy with someone else or alone than be in the relationship and trying to make it work, forcing it, 
but holding on because of fear, fear of letting go, fear of attachment. I know that people don't like to hear this, but there there is such thing as breaking up out of love or respect. There is, you know, an amicable breakup. So it's it's not easy. It's easier said than done, but you're clearly taking it as a, as a learning and a way to grow. So I, I commend you on that. And I know you heard it and you're saying, are you okay? Oh, thanks, but babe. I really appreciate your love and your support. <laughs> it's never easy at all. Um, Sarah, what's, who is someone that has inspired you or helped you reach to who you are today? Please don't tell me it's another breakup because I'm, I'm like... I'm already like I feel for Briar. I want to stop oh, the interview and fly yes, to, to Bali and hug her. Oh, <laughs> oh first Sorry. thing, Briar, I wish you the best, and really, you look amazing. So nothing like I just feel I feel you're the words you're saying, but there's so much maturity in the way you represent yourself, even though everything is super fresh. And um, I feel like just like Briar mentioned, there's so many people in your life. And as you go from a child to an adult, it's like the influences changed through my life when I was younger. I, and, and especially that we're speaking today about wellness and health. When I was younger, there were not a lot of, especially Saudi women in wellness and health that I looked up to. There were no female athletes. There was a lot not happening in front of me. So it was difficult for me to find a role model in that sense or an idol. But um, I think people that affected me in my life are the people like my father, um, my husband, my family that really never said no. Like I, I always had people in my life that were all helping me open these doors and allowing me to apply risks in my life without being very judgmental. They would be concerned, but at the same time, they would be like, well, you're going to learn from whatever this you have decided to do. So I think to me, the biggest influences in my life are the people who allowed me to be myself. And, and those are definitely my parents, um, um, my husband, everybody that has been in my life. And uh, it's hard to choose. It's impossible to choose. <laughs> yeah. That's a good problem to have. That's an amazing problem to have. I'm very happy for you, Sarah. Speaking and staying with influences, it, it doesn't just come in the form of people. Influence comes in the form of inspiration. So I'm very curious because I'm, I'm going to make a list of like recommendations after these interviews. What's a book that has influenced you or resonated with you or a book that you would suggest for me to read, Briar? I think there's, there's it's hard to pick one. Um, but actually, interestingly enough, like I've always found it really hard to read books because I'm so bad at focusing. Like I get distracted. I'm like, I'm going to read a book and then I'm going to do all these things. And the reason why I think this book is probably the best book that I've read is because I've read it more than once, which shows that it's a good book because most books I just read, I read like a couple of paragraphs or, you know, half the book and then I forget it. And then I'm like on to the next one. Um, and this book is called The Big Leap um, by Gay Hendricks. And I really recommend it to I, all of my clients when we start my head to heart journey, which is a journey of transformation, spiritual transformation, moving from the head to the heart. I give them this book because it's, it's really helping us to see where we are limiting ourselves in life, where we are limiting our love, our joy, our abundance, our ability to receive compliments, receive love, and, and how we block the positive flow of energy 
um, because of our own mind, like our mind's limitations. And it kind of coincides so much with um, the work that I do. So I would say The Big Leap um, is an amazing book. And it's not very long as well. The Big Leap. Yeah. It's I'm, really I'm going gonna, gonna to write it down. Thank you for that. I have an amazing list by the end of this. <laughs> Sarah, what's your book? I should write that down too. I've, I've heard of it. I've never read it actually. It's also difficult, like lots of books I've read. And I think the one I love is quite a cliche, but <laughs> uh, I love. Um, so again, like Briar said, it's one of those books that I've read multiple times and I found in different stages also like I read it when I was really young and then I read it when I was older and when I read it when I was older I totally had a different experience which was really interesting for me I, I it reflected in a very different way tell me what was you read it twice so what was the oh I read it four times difference. so <laughs> oh. um it's called so the book is called the power of now by Eckhart Tolle it's quite famous The first time I read it, it felt like gibberish. I was like, what is this? I don't even understand what he's saying. So much, so many words were like, um, I didn't understand. And then I read it again um, during my yoga teacher training and it opened up my eyes. I was like, oh my God, how did I not understand this when I read this two years ago? And then I continuously read it throughout my life. And um, I think it's just really, it talks to you at different stages and it, it always has some kind of message. So you can relate to it at whatever part in your life you're in or difficulty or even ease. And it kind of centers you back to being yourself. And it, it's, it's quite a simple book if you look at it and if you read it really mindfully. But I think the first time I read it, I wanted to read it like a textbook. So being a physician, I wanted to like, you know, and uh, yeah, where's the post-it note and all of that. But then when I read it with, with an open mind, it definitely was a different um, experience. So I, I would recommend that book. And I kind of actually have forced multiple people in my life to read it before like <laughs> we can move on here. Prerequisite. Yes, it is a prerequisite. <laughs> Love that. Thank you. I think I'm going to have an amazing list after this. A person's day or how a person handles their day is a great indication of who they are and where they get in life. So I'm very curious to know what's your day-to-day like, how do you manage your schedule? Um, you know, give me an example of a typical Briar day, for example. I heard you, you right before the call, before we recorded, Briar mentioned that she was in the spa. So I want to know if that's a typical day or is it just a special teaching day? So no, I, I have a pretty awesome day. I wake up Usually, I mean, the last two weeks, I've really needed sleep. So I've been waking up around 6, 6.30. But normally I wake up between 5, 5.30. I will do my yoga practice. I'll meditate. I'll walk my doggies. I'll go to the beach or go for a little, like, 6, 5.30, 6, depending, depending on the day. I'll do my pranayama, which is like, I love it. I love it so much. I really believe um, we should change the thought of discipline with devotion. And for me, this has shifted my life because I was, I am a control freak and I, I can be so fucking disciplined. That's been, been a defense mechanism and, and a part of my control to try and control everything in life. And I really believe that, yes, we need effort and we need discipline or we need devotion to our practices and things that make us feel good so we can do good things in the world. But I actually think discipline sometimes can be a form of control, which then creates pressure, which creates tension, which creates, you know, a lot of the time burnout, anxiety. And for that reason, we're not living in alignment with the flow of nature. 
And therefore we're disconnected from nature. And from that disconnection, we get sick. And I really believe that if we can change discipline to devotion, that's for me, my medicine of like, what, how do I feel right now? Do I, can I have a poo this morning or am I constipated? Okay. So maybe if I'm constipated, I will go do some yoga, some, some stretches or, you know, do something that moves my body. I never imagined that would be related to, I never imagined poo and devotion being the same sentence. But <laughs> you, know, I learned, you know, when you have you a live and learn. It's okay. Like, it's, and I talk about this because I studied Ayurveda, medicine, Ayurvedic medicine. Having a poo, you're turning on your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system at the same time. So it's actually quite enjoyable. So when you're, when you're actually having a poo and you're sitting on the toilet, do you try and control it and force it? Because it's, it's, it's very similar analogy to life. If we're sat, sat there and we're trying to force it out, it's like we're, we're going out of alignment with nature. But when we just sit there and we're breathing and we actually, it's like a contraction. If we just sit on the toilet with our legs up, and we actually breathe through it when we get the feeling to go, it just, it goes out. It's like a kind of one smooth bowel movement. But when we're doing it in a forceful way, like discipline or like, ooh, then we're like forcing it out and it's not, it's not easy. It's not flowing. And I think that's really, my day is a flow. <laughs> Briar, I have to say, I don't say this very often, but this is new to me. Like I don't say this very often because I've kind of I've kind of seen it all almost. But a life is like pooing. Is not something I imagine say. But it's an interesting way of looking at it. And I'm I will think about that because Please it's do. new and I never thought about that. Please Sarah, do. I'm very curious to know if you if you if you have any, any kind of feedback or do you relate to to Briar's opinion about uh, uh, life? I found I also say that is new to me. <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> But tell me, Sarah, please, what your day is, how the structure of your day. Uh, do you agree with Briar that you should call it devotion, not discipline? I think that's a beautiful way of definitely thinking about it. Um, I think there are some days where the things we choose to devote ourselves to require effort. And maybe that's when we need to apply a sense of discipline. Um, like, for example, I train for marathons. I run and some days I really don't want to wake up at 3 a.m. and go start my run at 4 just so that I can, you know, before the sun comes up, before the heat raises up, before I get dehydrated, look like a raisin, all of that. And uh, it's just then I remember why am I doing this? And I think that's the sense of devotion is like I'm doing this because this actually makes me a sense of achievement. This actually connects me to myself. This connects me to people around me, the other runners. And I think there is that thin line. There is that gray zone where I'm devoted to this. I love it. But there are some days, even yoga practice. I remember there were days like I practice Ashtanga and there are days when you're standing on your mat and you just don't want to finish that primary series. You want to be like, I'm just going to do standing and move on here. But then when you finish till the end, you're like, I'm very satisfied that I actually have used that sense of, of, um, I don't want to say self-control, but maybe, maybe some sense of like self-control a little bit. Sticking with the D's, we talked about discipline and devotion. Now we talk about desires. And I want to know 
what's a cheat meal? What's something you desire? What's something that is, you know, when you're having that bad day or whatever, or when you've been doing really, really well with your food and then you're like, I want a cheat meal. What would that be, Briar? And I'm, I'm super excited to hear what Briar's cheat meal is. So I think intimacy is food for the soul. And I think for women, we get energized when we experience intimacy with our loved one, partner, husband. For me, that ignites something in me. And that is more delicious than any meal. I think you're the only person can go from bowel <laughs> movement to another kind of movement in that region of the body. So I'm, 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 I'm learning my things today. I'm learning my things. Sarah, I'm very, I'm very curious. I have no idea what you're going to say right now. What's your cheat um, meal? I was going to say I'm not very much into like nutrition. <laughs> So, so um in terms i don't know like i just <laughs> i go with the flow i'm very practical chocolate is good i like chocolate yeah i'm good with that yeah that's 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 like a go-to for many people I, except for me for me it's hazelnut but i get it i get it, i get chocolate um moving on to to the minds we talked about you know everything else i want to know your mind what's your what's your opinion um, about wellness, how do you approach wellness? Um, what's your thought on that? Are you more? I know what Brian's going to say, but are you more? Um, do you meditate? Do you actually? I don't know what Brian's going to say because she's been surprising. But do you meditate? Do you take time off? Uh, for example, for me, I for me, sports is is my is how I meditate. Wellness to me. So with with my hand on my heart, Briar, can you please tell me your 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 wellness your what's your thoughts about wellness <laughs> i've been meditating the last 6 years every day pretty much very disciplined devotional discipline slash devotion i really resonate with you sarah about like getting up every morning and you know like 3am that celebrating that because it's not easy you know and it does create a a really powerful um devotional practice like that whether it be running all of those things but even the last two weeks I've had a lack of discipline to meditate because I felt that I just I was just tired I needed sleep um but it's interesting when I speak about wellness and we speak about like for me the true measure of success and wellness is how much did I laugh today like how much did I laugh and like that for me is such a measure of, of success and and wellness um physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, I think they're all connected. And each day I try to do something for each one of those components, whether it is walking on the beach, meditating, breathing from my immune system, eating something yummy with gratitude. I think, you know, it doesn't really matter like what I'm putting in my body or what I'm, um, you know, what I'm exercising, if I'm telling myself that I'm not good enough, or if I'm telling myself I need to do more to be more, if I'm telling myself I don't look good, or, you know, I think the mind for me is the biggest, biggest power that we have as humans. And we can create magic, but we can also create um, destruction with our mind. So I think it's really, wellness for me is, is really understanding my mind, understanding who am I. And from that space, I can really um, create a more holistic whole life from being in alignment with myself and that's really important to me beyond what I eat and, and exercise but yeah 
Sarah, what's your thought on wellness? How do you approach wellness? It's really funny. When, when I first started my Instagram, I used to call it wellness, Saudi wellness. And then I changed it to my name. And um, I used to like have a very like black and white idea of wellness. It's like you're healthy, you're eating right, you know, you're uh, sleeping well. It was all very like physical form. And um, I learned more about wellness as it's being a holistic experience. It's really uh, just like Briar mentioned, it's, it's, um, it's not just what we eat or how well we sleep or the practices we do, but it's really even the thoughts in our heads, like the meditation helps you with the thoughts in your head, the thoughts you're allowing to accept in your day-to-day basis, your, your normal process of the day, your ability to accept struggles to go through. So wellness does not mean that, um, I live a perfect life and from the morning to the night, I'm, you know, refreshed and, and I have a great attitude and I'm the best person to everyone around me. Wellness means I'm having the worst day possible. I am, let's say, PMSing or whatever. And, and it's the ability to accept that and still treat ourselves well, still accept ourselves with all of whatever flaws we think they are continuously beyond that journey of holistic health of uh, practicing whether it is a meditation or prayer or reading or being around people that feed our soul all of that so wellness is definitely a journey it's a continuous effort at benefiting ourselves and the people around us hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's a misunderstanding. They think being wellness is is always being happy, go lucky, and, and fine and healthy. But it's not the case. That being having wellness and being well, it means that when you do have bad days, you can lean on the strength of who you are. Like it's it's like building a good strong foundation, so so that when a storm comes and it doesn't often come, you can you can handle it and weather the storm. Because wellness is not a twenty four hour thing. You can't constantly you know bombard you know i like what Byron said you know it, it has to be what did you say not discipline you said devotion so I, I i like that but again people misunderstand what wellness is something as simple as wellness someone used to always tell me how are you always you know hyper and traveling all the time i'm like i'm not there are days where i'm just sitting on my couch not being able to you know just do nothing but i'm well enough to be able to sustain that so completely agree with both of you we talked about the fun stuff and oh god were they fun and I want to know more of the serious side of your journeys, both of you. So I'll start with Briar. What do you think is something that you're most proud of 
something that you know makes you happy and something that you're proud of achieving. I think my my wellness has been learning to manage my emotions and and really regulate myself when like for example like before we started this podcast I was literally about to sleep and I was felt sad and you know I wanted to like just go to bed and just be like in my little cocoon and then I I've got shit I gotta get I gotta get up and do this podcast and like I gotta find that like you said that resilience to 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 shift because someone's listening to this podcast that I maybe can inspire through um, my my realness. You've definitely changed my day, made me smile, definitely. I appreciate it so much. I'm so grateful for this opportunity because like I could have just gone to bed and been all miserable and in my head. And then I realized, oh, like life is meant to be lived and to have fun and these beautiful connections that we're meeting right now. And I think your energy, my energy is is my superpower and learning to master it is the science of Tantra. And that's what I study. That's what I preach, teach. For me, Tantra is so much more than just the part that we think it is around, which is the sex part. It's actually about learning to master our life through mastering our mind and mastering our energy because what we think, what we become, what we feel, we attract and what we imagine we create. So right now I feel alive and I feel really like inspired by you beautiful ladies and just laughing with you. It feels really, it fills my cup. And I think I'm proud of that to be able to shift my energy even though I'm feeling sad, I can actually be real about it and speak about it and not have to put the mask on to pretend that I'm okay when I'm actually going through something and actually just be vulnerable. And that for me is like, so something I'm so proud of because I used to always be like, I got it all figured out. I'm amazing. And like, nothing's affecting me. And now I'm like, no, this is life. Let's be real. That's what people crave is that authenticity. Yeah. There's definitely, there's definitely strength in vulnerability. There's definitely strength in being able to be vulnerable. Sarah, what's something that you are very proud of? Um, Briar, I think that's beautiful. Definitely something to be very proud of. And I think vulnerability is one of those things we learn as we grow older. It's, it's something we have in our nature, but we lose somewhere and then we get it back. And it's good that you are so aware of that, mashallah. So I think for me, it's uh, like if you asked me a few years ago, I probably would have showed you like, these are my degrees. These are my medals. Like, I'm very proud of this stuff. But um, I think after going through a few things in my life, the thing I was mostly proud of where I really sat with myself is like how I took care of myself, how I uh carried myself, how I protected myself. I'm proud of the situations where I said no, and I'm proud of the situations where I really had an uncomfortable conversation, but I came out feeling maybe very uncomfortable at that point, but really very, um, like that sense of respect for myself. Um, these things I never thought I'd be proud of, but looking back, um, I'm always very proud of the moments where I had courage to go against the flow of what I'm supposed to do or what I'm supposed to say or how I'm supposed to feel and um, acknowledging really how um, I feel at that moment and, and what the situation acquires. Um, when I was very much as a kid, very passive, very much just going through the flow of what I'm supposed to do. But as I grew up, I felt like, no, um, very, very like that. That's, I think something I'm very proud of. And I, and I hope to like influence if I ever have kids or if I ever have people around me with that ability to, to, to be like, Oh, I actually, I'm going to think differently about this and I'm going to have the courage to, to go and check it out or, or do it or achieve it. Beautiful, Sarah. 
very selfless. It's not just, I like your answer as well. Both of you, every time I ask this question, it's amazing the answer we get back because everyone has such a different thing. But in core, it's it's doing something that is healthy for you and helping others that always makes, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful mix between finding what you love, doing what you love, and then helping others. Most people, that's the thing they're most, uh, you know, proud of. Speaking of some things you're proud of, uh, succeeding as a woman in this field, in this in- industry, is quite challenging. In every single field, I think being a woman is quite challenging. But specifically when it comes to like, the, you know, this new era we're in, the space we're in, um, especially the fitness and wellness is very competitive. So I'm very curious to know from each of you, starting with Briar as well, very briefly, what do you think is the most challenging thing about what you do? I think just to flip the status quo, I think actually when women come together like we are right now, we are so powerful. And actually, because, yeah, when we're an ego in a competition, yes, it is challenging because we're fighting to be the best. But when we are right now, like in harmony, we're like all celebrating each other. I'm like, I love the fact that Sarah's like got all these degrees. I haven't got any degrees. Like I've had a completely different worldview. Like, does it make me better or worse? No, it just makes us different. And someone might be able to relate to Sarah versus her her background. Maybe it's more familiar to her, whereas mine's completely different. Um, but I think the competition side is what's actually preventing us. And I really believe collaboration is the key to success. And when we all rise, when I rise, you rise and vice versa. And I think the, the hardest thing about being in this world is that we're coming from a place of separation of like, oh, well, this person, um, I don't want to give her a, a head start because then she might be more successful than me or whatever the limitation that the mind is talking and I think that's very much a, a man's world like a man that can be in that doggy doggy you know like they try and get to the top but I think women we're community builders like we're meant to work in harmony the only thing that I think we struggle with as women is because we feel like we have to do it all on our own we create that discipline and control and that masculine energy which drives us into disease into burnout into depression and we are then disconnected from our our womb, our cycle, fertility. That's, that's I think, the, the challenge for women is trying to be a man in a, in a woman's body. And I think that's something that I've struggled with so much because I've burnt out. I've tried to hustle. I've done it the way that to try and climb the ladder of success and it hasn't worked that way. Yes, I've been successful, but it doesn't doesn't feel successful if my relationships are not healthy or if I'm burning myself out. So now I'm redefining that and, and really finding community collaboration, having a team and having support and asking for help. And that for me, feels really good to have support now. I have a, a woman in my business, she's doing all the back end stuff and I feel really nourished in that. And I see as like, I'm, she's supporting me, I'm supporting her. And yeah, there's less challenge and there's less competition for me now because I feel like we can all thrive Completely agree, but, but I feel like women compete in a completely different mindset than men. I feel like men compete together in, in a sport in the field, but not necessarily in life. But I feel like women compete together in life and then at work, they're happy to help each other. It's a, I think it's a different pa- pa- paradox of, of mentality. If you, if you notice, women don't are not as, uh, they are as competitive as men, but a different psyche. 
than than guys because guys can rough it up, beat each other up in sports, and then as soon as they're off the hook, they're out having fun together. But women, no, women, it's deeper. I feel so when they help, they help genuinely, and when they don't, it's it's devastating. So I totally agree with you, Sarah. What do you think is the biggest challenge in your opinion? I think competition in general is a very difficult thing to be part of because the moment you start competing, it means there is a, an element of measurement that we're applying. If I'm going to compete, then am I competing on popularity or am I competing on achievement or am I competing on for finances? I think if we look at the wellness industry specifically, for example, as a yoga teacher and a run community leader, I really try not to look at anyone else because it could play with your ba- brain. You could be like, oh, I'm not doing that. Should I be doing that? Oh, I'm not putting this much effort in this area. Should I be doing that also? And it really actually strays me away from what was my initial intention of, for example, creating a run community, which was creating a brotherhood and a sisterhood of people supporting each other through running. But for example, in my yoga community, I would look at all the yoga teachers. Oh my God, she's teaching four times a week. I'm only teaching three. It starts becoming just like Briar mentioned, exhausting, that burnout, that constant thought of what should be happening next, as opposed to enjoying the moment I'm in with, with the students in the studio, just being in that class. What I learned from competition is there's always going to be someone new. There's always going to be someone doing what you're doing. There's another girl who's going to climb Everest, right? There's another person who's going to start their own yoga practice and preach different things. But it's really about how am I feeling? And is this actually feeding me back as much as I am giving to that community or as much as I am feeding? I love that you said that because when people approach me about my life and my career, Sarah, they always say that, aren't you upset that someone took your record? I say, no, I'm proud of it because the reason why I got that record wasn't to get the record. I I had a a deeper reason for it. So always, as we say in in Arabic, uh, clean your heart with your intentions so that you don't, you don't, there's always going to be someone that might come and be better than you, but you're not competing with them. One of the things that mountaineering has taught me to only compete with yourself and try to better yourself. You are competing with someone else in the in the sport, in the field, but that person is pushing your envelope. You know, you're competing with someone else, but you're competing with you getting a better version of who you are. Because mountains, you're only, it's you against you. So one of the things that mountaineering taught me, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the Saris, is don't try. Don't try to, to, to run someone else's race. Don't try. And actually in mountaineering, if you do try to go with someone else's speed, it might kill you. So try to have your own speed, your own rhythm, and what the intent is. Because if my intention was to be the first Saudi woman to do this, then guess what? Or the last, it's not reality. But my intention was differently. So Absolutely. And the moment you start competing, you decrease the value of your achievement. And, and the moment I go, oh, I have 20 students in my class. Those people have 30 or they're fully booked in their retreats or whatever. I start losing the value of these people that are there. This one person can be more important than a hundred. And this run community, I don't need a picture with 100 people. We're a small run community. We just started also. I need that these runners, when they leave the session, they go, thank you. Cause this makes me want to run a 5k. This makes me want to run a, I don't know, a marathon. I learned that. I learned that. Yeah, I learned that the hard way because I, I did start off. I don't know, Briar, if you did. I started off competing. Like I started off, I want to teach everywhere. <laughs> it's tough. And not, not intentionally, but you learn how to measure your own success and not hold it. 
uh, compared with someone else's. And speaking of successes, let's stay with this thought. I want to know, starting with Briar as well, what's your mantra for success? What's your motive? What's your drive for success? My mantra for success is actually inspired by The Big Leap, uh, the book that I mentioned. And it's, I expand in love, abundance, joy, and success every single day. And I inspire those around me to do the same. Greatness is my destiny. And it's like, I, I just, yeah, I always think you should have a mantra. You should have a affirmation. I, I'm really in, like, I do a lot of neuralistic programming in my work and positive psychology and meditation manifestation. So I really believe that we, yeah, what we tell ourselves is what we become. So I think, but I, but I also, I'm redefining my, my version of success. It's changing over the years. What I used to think was success is different. Absolutely. It's healthy to, to, to be able to have an open mind and change. Sarah, you mentioned that you used to measure wellness or what did you say earlier with, you know, the, the diplomas you had and it changed. So I'm curious to know what's your, what's your mantra for success as well? Has it changed over the years? Honestly, I, I don't, I don't think I have a mantra for success, but, uh, uh, I know this is going to be very cultural and very Saudi, but my, I grew up with, my mom is a religious teacher and I just grew up with this influence of her always saying like, or like always, you know, and I use that phrase so much in my life, um, which means that you need to let go of that sense and give the responsibility to a higher power. And I use that on a daily basis, especially on the difficult days. Um, and I think that has allowed me to really tackle things in life I never thought I would do because I always believed in Yudabir al-Amr. And I remember I was going through a very tough period and, and someone said that to me and I was like, I need to just, this needs to be engraved somewhere. And it has been my, my constant, I would say maybe mantra because it is definitely a prayer I repeat a lot. And to me that on its own, just kind of lets go of everything. Someone once told me, I don't know how to translate this one in Briar because it's very, very Arabic. Kul mur yimur as well, which means every, well, I don't know how to translate it because it's like a plain word, but everything better passes. I don't know how to explain that, but mur and mur are the same. Just different pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Different pronunciation of, of that. I think meditation is a preparation for prayer. And I think I've only really just started connecting with prayer in the last couple of months, but it's such a life changer. And I, I like what you said in terms of like, it's almost like you're, I feel it's like a trustful surrender in the divine, not necessarily God outside of us, but the God within us. And knowing that there's something beyond us that's supporting us that we don't need, we just need to let go of control and just let it happen. Um, so I really like that. Sarah, you mentioned home and there's a big change and uh, like a, 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 a renaissance in women's sports, I think, in the region, if you've noticed. And also, I think internationally, because I want Briar to give me her point of view when it comes to women in sport internationally. So I'm curious to know what are your thoughts on women in sport in the future? What are your predictions? How do you see it? I think I'll speak on behalf of, well, I'll try to speak on behalf of how I feel about sports in the region, especially in Saudi. It's, it's taken an amazing leap, like a big, big jump in the past two to three years. Um, um, to give you just a local example, uh, I started a woman only run here in Riyadh and we started with three girls. I would show up 
And the reason I started that is because when I used to coach, only guys would show up to my session. And I was like, am I really the only girl that's, I know some girls that run, but they all do solo runs. So I was like, let's do a woman only run. And for the first three to four months, only two girls would show up, not to belittle two girls. It was amazing. I was like, okay, yes, I have a team. <laughs> team takes just two people. And, um, and then within three months, we went up to the four months, we went up to 25. We went up to 50 and we were at 1.80 women running together. These are all ladies who have never ran in their life. One of the girls was an 18 year old who had her first ever run with us and is currently an Olympian in the Saudi Olympic team. This was her first experience. This is because suddenly, and for great, uh, for, I'm so grateful for that, women in sports in Saudi is normalized and supported and funded. And I think of when I was 19, how that could have changed my life. I was running amazing speeds, but I'm happy where I am right now. Acceptance. <laughs> and, and I feel like I can't wait to see what Saudi women are going to do in the Asian games and the Olympic games in in all of these um, amazing athletic performance uh, areas, but not only there, even women running outdoors wasn't a common thing in Saudi. It wasn't something I remember my father, when I first said I'm running outdoors, he's like, what do you wear? What are you wearing? What do you look like when you're running outdoors? And I said, oh, well, you know, T-shirt and leggings. Like, is it safe? I'm like, of course it's safe. It's safer than when I ran in other cities. And this culture of women in sports has been so beautiful because it's opening women's minds to other opportunities in life that exist beyond the typical ones we were used to. And I think within the next maybe two to three years, maybe five years, we're going to see changes. Um, me, myself, I was the first Saudi physician to be in the Olympic Games as a female for Saudi Arabia. So these doors, although we thought were impossible, are actually open. We just never just stepped. We're just like, we didn't know. We're like, oh, okay, it's okay to run. It's okay to do this. Okay to do that. Fine, let's go ahead. So now I think with how things are being led amazingly in the region with Vision 2030, we are going to see amazing women creating things in sports and women are going to start placing their mark, um, not just as we showed up, but no, we are here to create records and we are here to create and get medals. And we are here to actually show that we can not only show up, but we can also perform. I have a feeling women will outperform men in Saudi in the next generation in sports. <laughs> not, not, not being biased or anything, but that's my opinion. Briar, do you have anything to add about women in the re in specific in the sports, but not specifically in the region, like internationally? What do you think? My world of sport has been yoga, and there's traditionally always been men yogis, but now yoga is mainly done by women. So I just this just it's dominating. We're dominating it. So I think that's domination. Who run the world, girls? Who run the world, girls? Yeah, I, absolutely. So, but I have, I have, I have one last question for both of you that I, I would love to to hear from you. If you have one piece of advice to give someone in the field you're in or, or in the career, and what would that piece of advice be, Sarah? Take that risk. Uh, try something new, and don't be afraid to fail. And and yeah, just uh, completely just let go and, and allow yourself to, whether it's in sports or wellness or whatever it is that you're passionate about, um, go for it. Even if you don't have the support at the beginning, people will stand by you when they see 
uh, just how passionate you're about, you're about something. And, uh, so my one advice is, is try it out, take that risk. Doesn't work out, you know, life moves on. You can go into something else and, um, yeah, enjoy it in the process. Enjoy whatever you're doing. Love that. Thanks, Sarah. Bismillah. Brian, what's your advice? <laughs> My advice is don't take life so seriously. And what you, th- what you think you become, what you feel, you attract, what you imagine you create. And you don't get what you want in life. You get who you're being. So who are you being right now? And I really believe that because I, I th- the, the ultimate for me is like love lets go. Like when we love ourselves enough, we let go of people, habits, patterns of behavior no longer serving us. And when we are holding on through fear, attachment, fear of like going into the unknown, which is where all the magic is in the big leap. That's why the book is so great. It's in the big leap. And every time we have contraction, when we're going through a breakup, when we're going through the fields, when we're having health issues, when we're having an injury, whatever the thing is, on the other side is is expansion. And we have to go into the darkness to come back into the light. So come embrace the darkness. That's where the magic is. That's where the lessons are. Get ready to digest them and then transform into a butterfly. Spread your wings and fly. Sarah and Briar, thank you so much. I've been truly enlightened today. A little bit shocked, but enlightened <laughs> as well. But that's, there's, a great, there's always a great space for you to learn and to be enlightened and to just laugh and enjoy life. And like you both said, don't take it seriously. And Sarah said, enjoy the ride. Thank you. I totally enjoyed this. This was such a lovely experience. Thank you both for your time, for your lovely smiles and spirits. And keep doing what you're doing. Keep shining. Thank you so much. It thank was you. lovely to meet you both. And I hope how we meet in person prior to I hope I visit Bali thank you so much for your time Thank you for listening to the Quality of Life podcast in partnership with TRX and hosted by me, Raham Harik. Please do leave us a rating and review on Apple. It really, really makes a difference. And keep listening every Friday morning for a new episode. Next week, we'll be back with another episode, this time in Arabic. So listen out for that. This podcast was produced by Pineapple Audio Production. Thanks again for listening and see you next Friday. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.